Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible this morning, would you open it up? And uh, I'm going to tell you where we're going in just a second. We're in week three of this series that we've titled Unknown. And the idea behind this series is taking that scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it talks about all scripture being useful. The scripture, it talks about all scripture being God-breathed and important. And so I had this thought a couple weeks back when we were doing this series on heaven. If all scripture is God-breathed, if all scripture is useful, if, if all of it has a purpose, maybe it's just me, but I've grown up in church for so long, I thought, why do we skip so much of it? Have you ever thought about that? Why do, we, why do we just like, there's so many portions of scripture, right, that we just ignore. We don't even like, we don't, and I'm, and I'm just as guilty of this, right? So today, here is the test. We're going to see if anybody, not only if you even knew this was a book of the Bible, but if you know where to find it. We're going to open our Bibles to a book called Philemon. Do you know that's in the Bible? Okay, good. Yeah, all right. We know it's in there. It's in the New Testament. But the hard part, it's in the back. And here's the most interesting part. It's usually just like one page. All right, we're going to look at a book of the Bible. There is no chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. There is 25 verses. That is what we are going to, to look at uh, this morning. It's, it's, after, uh, it's right before the books of Hebrews, right before the book of James. It's in the back. It's 25 verses. And fun fact, how many of you like fun facts, right? This is the shortest book of the Bible. All right? Philemon. Turn to someone and say Philemon. Though it's a really short book, it's only 25 verses my prayer is that we see just how much this book applies to us today. This book, Philemon, is written by a man named Paul. Someone say Paul. And he's writing a letter to a friend. Can we say it like this? Paul is exchanging, uh, he, he is sending an email to a friend. But this isn't just any email. Paul is going to send an email with a big ask involved. He has an objective for this letter. There's a purpose for his writings. He's not just checking in to say, how you doing, right? He is checking in with a purpose, and we're going to look at his leadership in just a moment. In this private letter, Paul urges his friend. His friend's name is Philemon. There's three characters I want you to, if, if you have notes, you could write this down, but kind of three main players in this little letter, 25 verses uh, one of them, of course, is Paul. He is writing the letter to his friend, Philemon. And then there's going to be a man we're going to talk about. His name is Onesimus. All right? And so Paul, he writes to his friend and he says, You know, Philemon, I know you have an issue with somebody because this somebody has wronged you completely. I know you have a problem with somebody because you should have a problem with somebody because what they did to you was wrong. What they did hurt you, in fact. But he says, I need you, Philemon, to make it right. This man, Onesimus, appears to be, in that culture, a runaway slave. Now, when we have to kind of 
I don't want to get into this too much, but in the Roman culture, while not a good thing, Roman culture slavery was very different than this, this, the, the, all of the evils that we think of uh, with our North American history of slavery. While I'm not saying either are good, but there are some big differences between Roman slavery versus the evil sin that we have seen in America and our, when we think of it as well. It isn't uncommon for a wealthy person in Rome to have had, it was, it was the way of life. Sometimes people would be down on their luck. They would be out of work. And so they would actually, there were instances where not only conquered people would become slaves, but you could actually, if you were, if you were out of a job, out of work, if you were out of, out of luck, you could actually, uh, in, in, you could actually become a slave voluntarily. You could sign up to work for someone, right? So it's a bit of a different culture, but not saying it's good as well, but it's just, it's very different. But this man Philemon, we can assume is very wealthy because he, he, he not only uh, owns a lot, many, many slaves is what we can assume, but we're going to find out in just a minute. He has a house big enough to have church in. He has a church in his house. Do you know we could have Bible studies in our house, right? Do you know we can like, we can be our own kids, youth pastors and teach our kids about the Bible, about the word. Amen. Well, Paul appeals to this friend of his Philemon and he says, I need you to welcome back this person who has wronged you. His name is Onesimus. We're going to read about it. But the thing, the reason you need to welcome him back is because Paul says, Philemon, now he's become a brother in Christ. This man has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, much like you and me. If you remember Paul, did he have a bit of a background himself? Was he a man that, I, I, I think, man, if anyone knew what second chances were all about, it was Paul. He, he probably, anytime he spoke of Jesus, I would guess Paul remembered holding those coats when the stones begin to be hurled at the first martyr named Stephen, right? I think Paul remembers just how much people can change because of Jesus Christ, not because of their own actions. Amen. As we open this morning, can we just start off with a word of prayer and uh, hopefully we can just move on through this. Let's bow our heads. <coughs> Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. Lord, we invite your, your scripture. Uh, God, we invite you to speak. We invite your word to inspect. And God, we open our hearts. God, we ask that you would, uh, God, we ask that you'd speak what only you can speak. God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. And God, in some cases, we ask that you would even restore uh, those things which only you can restore. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Can all God's people say amen? Can we say it a little louder? Amen? amen. All right, so if you have a Bible... Would you open it up, Philemon? And the, the, the part of me just always wants to say chapter 1. But I guess we don't even have to say chapter 1 because there's no chapter 2. So Philemon, verse 1. You with me? All right. You sure? You got to get loud in second service. I know lunch is on the way and it just makes Pastor Joey go quicker. All right. Well, Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1. First one. Let's read it together. This is a letter from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And from our brother Timothy, I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister. I have no idea how to say her name. Appia? 
There we go. See, sometimes you just, you just got to own it, church, right? Or you got to fake it really well. Just fake it with confidence. But for some reason, I didn't have the confidence to go for it. And to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and may he give you peace. So Paul writes to Philemon, this, this prominent member in Colossae, and things are going well for this man. We, like I said, we can assume he's wealthy. We can assume he has a house big enough to hold a, a, a church in. And let's continue on. Let's just go through this verse by verse this morning. Verse 4. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Now, I love how Paul begins his, I love his greetings that he gives. But at the same time, um, I love, you can already see the communicator in Paul is setting the table, right? How many of us, how many of you know, like if you're in business and you call in your employee and you, you need to address something, sometimes it's not always good to start with the negative, is it? Sometimes it's like you need to, you need to set them up so you can accomplish what needs to be done. But I love how Paul is kind of setting the table here. He's like, Philemon, I just keep hearing about your faith. I keep hearing about the good things that you're doing. I keep hearing about how you are living out your faith. I keep hearing about, would you underline this part of the verse, the very end of it, verse five, if you look at it with me. He says, Philemon, I keep hearing about how you love all people. Did you catch that, church? Right, would you underline that word? He says, I keep hearing about how you love all people. All people. Oh my goodness, he begins to, to put the pressure on. How many of you know whether it's in your workplace, whether it's the soccer dad that is uh, on your team or the soccer mom, the people you do life with, we are going to hear a story about a man who was hurting. This man, Onesimus, was hurting so much that what we do know about him is he decided to break the law. Now, it's one thing to break the law and, you know, in, in our culture we call different, you know, there's different levels of breaking the law, isn't there? There's misdemeanors, there's felonies, there's different things. Onesimus broke a law, get this, how desperate do you have to be or what place do you have to be in your life to intentionally break a law and the punishment for breaking that law, the punishment is death, right? Onesimus is a runaway slave. He is a man, we're gonna hear about this man who I think he must have hit rock bottom to make this type of decision. Do we ever use terms like that for, for maybe you know a friend that we, we say things like when people just really screw up, what do we say? We tend to say like, man, they took a wrong turn. They hit rock bottom. They just, they, their life just fell apart, right? Our lives can fall apart for a multitude of reasons. It can be a loss of a job. It can be a loss of a relationship. It can be um, uh, trust in a marriage. It can be an affair. It can be someone gets caught doing something they shouldn't. It can be stealing something, cheating something, on a test, on anything, on a, whatever it is, right? Sometimes we hit rock bottom because of our own mistakes. But how many of you know, maybe you're here in this room that you could say, you know, I had a rock bottom part in my life and it wasn't even because of a choice I made, it was because someone I was married to decided to be a knucklehead guy or a knucklehead woman, whatever it is, right? Sometimes you can hit rock bottom. Sometimes your life can take a wrong turn. Sometimes your life can totally be turned upside down 
because you are simply caught in, caught in the crosshairs of someone else's sin. Have you ever experienced that? So there's two different, there's different ways we can experience these lows in our lives. Let's continue on verse 6 if you look at it with me. Paul continues, he says, And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand Philemon. I keep inserting Philemon's name, so I want to make sure we're, how this is like, I just think the tone here, right? As you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. In 25 verses this morning, we are going to see a master class put on in leadership by Paul. You want to know how to address people. You want to know how to address situations. You want to know how to address problems within a family or problems within a church. We can look to the book of Philemon and see how Paul addressed it. Because Paul has this heart that I think reflects the heart of Christ. Paul has a heart that at the, at the, at the end of the day, this letter is about restoring someone. You notice even with Jesus, right? Like anyone Jesus came into contact with, most of the time, it seemed like his heart's purpose was to restore that person, right? Remember when he dealt with the woman at the well, he said, just, just go and sin no more, right? We're going to look at some qualities of leadership and we're going to talk about restoring broken lives and what that looks like and how what we can pull out of this short letter, the shortest book of the Bible, the book of Philemon, kind of an unknown, unknown chapter that maybe some of us have just never read. How many of us have never read Philemon? It's okay. Can we just throw our hands up if that's true? Right? That's all right. Some of us like, some of, it's okay to be like, you know, that's when we just praise God for tabs in the Bible, right? Because we can use those tabs to find it, right? Or digital Bibles. It's pretty cool. But we're going to look at three leadership qualities of Paul as he appeals to this man, Philemon. I don't know about you, but I think we are called to be a church that roots for broken people to be restored. We're, we're called to be a, a, a church that stands out in our own community because we make it a point to see people become whole again. Right? Amen? Isn't that like the whole point of the bloodshed covering the gospel message of the grace of Jesus Christ, right? But there's a few different things, and we could pull so much more out of this scripture today. We're going to read through uh, the whole chapter. So you could say, man, I read a chapter of scripture in church, a, ch a chapter of the Bible in church today, right? We're going to jump through this. But here's the part we need to play. A few things that I thought, man, we need to make sure are always at the heart of our families, always at the heart of our marriages, always at the heart of how we do friendship, always at the heart of how we do outreach, things that we want to be about as a church. Well, here's what we need to do if we want to follow some of Paul's instruction. Let's read verse 7 and then I'm going to do the next point. He says, Philemon, your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother. He says, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of people. <coughs> Paul says, Philemon, you're doing something really, really good here. And you know what it is? 
he, he kind of appeals to him because he's going to have a big ask in a moment. But he says, Philemon, you know what you're really good at? And I think sometimes as a church, we forget what this even looks like, right? Sometimes, and especially over the last two years, somehow it's just easier to go home. It's easier to do an online order. It's easier to drop the food at the door and leave me alone, right? We all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it's just like, we don't want to be around, right? Paul says, Philemon, you have a few good things going for you. And here's the first one. You're a friendly person. You know, one of the greatest ways we can share the gospel, number one, would you write this down? Be friendly. This is mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? Right? Be friendly. Who knew? Who knew the gospel could be attractive if we just, I don't know, smile? Right? If we just are friendly, if we just say hello, if we just say it's nice to see you, what a concept. Be nice to people. You want to see God move in your church? Be nice. Right? Be nice to people. You know, what's strange to me is sometimes we don't even realize, and I'll include myself in this, like when I am rude or an I, if I just ignore someone, oftentimes I don't even realize, like I just walk by someone without even greeting them or saying hi. I don't even realize I'm being rude. Isn't that interesting about us, right, as, as humans? Paul reminds Philemon, he says, relationship, relationship is first. I'm going to ask you this because, man, we have been in the mud together. Clearly, Paul and Philemon, I'm guessing they started this church together. Because we're going to pick up on a few more words from Paul later where, where Paul is, is pretty blunt here to his buddy. But they have been friends. They have been brothers in ministry as far as life goes. And I don't know about you, but, man, when a friend sees a friend almost going off track or needs to make an adjustment... They come alongside the hurting. You know what's interesting? When we hurt, when someone gets diagnosed with something that is heartbreaking, when uh, a marriage falls apart, when um, something happens, and I've, I've found myself doing this from time to time and not realizing till later that I did it. But you know what often happens is when someone is going through a hard time, when people are hurting the most, you know what we do in, in church sometimes? Instead of coming around them and being their friend, you know, the, the Bible says that, that uh, right, a, friend, a true friend is born for adversity. You know what we do sometimes? Christianity, there's this saying that sometimes we like to shoot our own wounded, right? Sometimes, like in Christianity, when, when someone has blown it the most, when someone hits rock bottom, you know what? That is the time that they need the church the most. That is the time that they need their friends in Christ the most. And yet sometimes when... People we love are hurting for some reason. We can all, be, all probably look back at a season of our lives where maybe we fell into this trap and we made this mistake. When someone is hurting, we don't know what to do. We don't always know what to say. We don't think we can have any, like we don't have any, any good words of wisdom or comfort to bring. And so instead of being that friend to that person who is at their lowest point, instead of getting involved and just being there for them, we tend to distance ourselves because we're unsure how to handle it. We, we, I, I think of times where, man, I, I've done that, where I've just blown it. I failed to just, just pick up the phone, just reach out, just because sometimes we, we don't know what to say. Paul says, Philemon, you have the gift of refreshing people. Paul says, you've, you've blessed me. You've refreshed me with your friendship. Some of you have that gift of encouragement, right? I would just encourage, man, as a church, 
Don't ever stop using that gift. Let's continue on. Can we look at verse 8? Let's check this out. Verse 8. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. Here we go. Paul gets a little stronger in the language. He says, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing to do. How many of you like that greeting? Like, you know these guys are buddies, right? You know there must be some relationship. Because sometimes I'll be like, what, did you just say that to me? Excuse me? Baking powder, right? You know they must be, there's, this is a, per remember, this is a, we just, we're, we're getting a, a view into a personal letter. This was not a letter to a church, right? This is not a letter for the masses. This is a personal letter from friend to friend. And <laughs> Paul says, I could demand it from you in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, are you with me still? I appeal to you to show the kindness to my child. And I wonder what Philemon's reaction was like when he saw this name. My child's name, and he's reading, imagine reading this letter, Onesimus. I can't imagine but think the things that were going through Philemon's mind. Oh, that guy. That guy. That, that, that one who ran away. That one who stole money from me. I remember. I, oh, I remember him, Paul. What else you got to say about him, Paul? But here we go. Paul begins to tell this story of what has happened. I became his father in the faith while I was here in prison. Look at verse 11. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past. But now he's very useful to both of us. Paul, as a friend, he says, you know what? Philemon, I love you so much. You may not want to hear this right now. I'm not sure. We don't know Philemon's reaction. You may not want to hear it, but I'm going to give you the truth because I know it's actually going to be better for you, Philemon. He says, you need to be forgiving. Number two, what do we want to be about as a, as a culture, as a people? I think if there's one thing we could see in our culture, I don't think it matters what church you go to, what religion you believe in. We are a very unforgiving culture, right? We don't, we don't have to be of the same, like, people groups to agree. I think, like, a lot of people, even though we may have different beliefs, would probably agree on that. We're a very cutthroat culture, right? Almost seems like we celebrate someone's downfall. We print it on a magazine, right? Somebody messes up. We, it's, it's like we all want to know about it, right? We want to see it on the, on the cover of Yahoo News, whatever it is. But Paul says to Philemon, be forgiving. Number two, would you write that down? One of the second things we can do as leaders, as a church, there's something in our human DNA. There's something in me, man. There's something in me. I'll tell you what, I cannot remember anything from my physics 101 honors class. I cannot remember anything from biology 190 in college. But I'm telling you, I can remember people who said stuff about me from 20 years ago. Right? I, I, there are things that I cannot remember. They go in, ear, in one ear, out the other. But man, we have this, our brains have a remarkable ability to remember old wounds, don't they? Our brains, we have the, a remarkable ability to remember old offenses, even things that are insignificant. Like when you look at all of the things going on, we have the ability to remember insignificant, just gossip. We can remember so much. Our brains can recall so much can we call it useless information, right? Sometimes this unforgiving spirit that exists in all of us, there's something in us 
when we are hurt, we don't want to let go. When we are hurt, man, that we want to hold on to that so much. We, it's like we, we, that, we feel like that offense makes us stronger, which is definitely not the case. One would think because of Jesus that Christians, we really would set the bar high in this area. That we would set the example, but sadly it seems like even in the church, oftentimes forgiveness is a rare commodity. And Paul is saying, Philemon, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. We're friends. Paul wasn't about to let Philemon fall into this trap of holding on to old hurts. Holding on to people who, who wronged him. He cared about Philemon so much that he brought the truth to him. Would you write this down in your notes this morning? Get your thumbs fired up, ready to go on your smartphone or your, your notes. But would you write this down? Paul doesn't keep the peace in this situation. Paul makes the peace. There's a situation brewing, right? He's got a minister. He has a house church. He's got a young up-and-comer that loves the Lord. And Paul says, we have got to make this right. Right? In light of their past relationship, Paul makes a difficult ask. He he interrupts this situation. And I think he does it because Paul's a man who understands just how important second chances are. Right? Who he did life with. Who he was building the church with. He looked at a man that he knew like Peter. Who said, man, Peter was Jesus' disciple and messed up how many times? And Paul's probably going, man, if he can use that guy. Right? right? Paul looked at himself and knew. He knew the type of man he was. Paul was a man that understood second chances. Would you write this down in your notes this morning? I think biblically we say we believe it. We know in scripture it's true. But would you write this down? Do I really believe people can do better if given another chance? Would you write that down and write it about yourself? You don't need to turn this in. Or you can. We'll grade your papers during the week and give it back to you next Sunday. When our boss is in town. No. I'm kidding, kind of. Um, but would you write that question down? Do I really believe that people can do better if given another chance? Like, do, you, do I really believe that? I mean, it's at the heart of the gospel message. But it's amazing to me, I was thinking about this in my own life, even, you know, different thoughts that we have this morning. You know, we sin every day, so often different moments of the day, right? We may not have done it, but we thought about it. But how often do we sin? Think about this for a moment in your own life. I don't know. It could be anything. Something you said, something you thought, something you did. But it's amazing to me just how real that scripture is when, when the Bible says that the Lord is slow to become what? The Bible says he's slow to become angry. It's amazing to me how often we sin and we don't get punished for it. Think about that for a moment. Think of how many times you think about something, you do something, you say something. Right? Think of how many times we sin and there is no immediate justice. God doesn't flash the lightning. He, 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 he lets it go. Right? By, by the grace of Jesus recover. That's why we need repentance and hearts that are willing to repent. But I think about that in my own life. How many times have I not been in trouble for something from the, from the Lord? And yet there's something in me that is so quick to want immediate justice when I see someone else mess up. You want immediate punishment, right? I want Braveheart style justice, right? William Wallace coming down, right? I watched that movie the other day. It is so good, man. It is so good. Mel Gibson at his finest, right? But man, how many times do we sin and God doesn't immediately do anything, 
right? He's slow to become angry with us. But there's something in us, man, when someone messes up, when someone doesn't meet the mark, there's something in us that we just, it's like that Star Trek movie where revenge is a dish best served cold, right? It's like we want this, we want, we want, we want something to happen. We want justice now, God. Verse 12, let's continue in the word. I'm sending him back to you. And Philemon, with him comes my own heart. So he's saying, it's as if I'm coming back to you, Philemon. He has my favor. He has my trust. Verse 13, I wanted to keep him here with me a while while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. Right? Paul knows that this man ran away. I wanted to help you because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems... You lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back, get this, forever. It seems that this young man made a mistake so that one day God could use this bad situation for his good. Kind of like that, that scripture says, God uses all things for the good of those that what? Are in him, right? That love him. It says 16, he is no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave. For he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man, and get this, as a brother in the Lord. Paul is saying, Philemon, this, this young man has changed. He wronged you, he ran away, he stole from you. But now he's been covered, he's been forgiven. There is grace, there is blessing, there is leadership. There are all these things that are all over this young man's life. Paul does something, even in this, in these verses, you can see, he says, man, he is more than a slave. He's a beloved brother, especially to me. Number three, the final thing I think we can do, man, if we want to see people restored, if we want to see our community come to Christ, we need to point people to their purpose. We need to speak life into people. We need to, uh, I, I could say it like this, could we be a future giver, right? A future giver, what does that look like? I don't even know, but I think it kind of sounds like someone who restores people. Someone who speaks life into people. Someone who encourages people, who, who tells them, you know what, if you surrender your life to Christ and you trust in Him, I don't have it all figured out, but man, I believe in you. And I believe what God can do through you. And I think it's more than anything you can totally imagine. Restoring their spirit, it can... It can do marvelous things for someone's future. Verse 17. So Philemon, if, if you consider me to be your partner. So they've been partners, right? They probably planted this church together. If you consider me to be a partner, would you welcome him as you welcome me? If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Philemon, charge it to me. I will pay his bill. I'm picking up the tab, right? We're going to eat. I'll pay for it. Charge it to me. Verse 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And then get this. I love the end of 19. Because it, it, again, it's, it's the godfather of Christianity at his best here, right? Look at this. Paul says, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. You know these guys are close, right? I mean, he's busting his chops. This is, and again, this isn't a letter for his wife to see. This isn't a letter for the church to see. This is leader to leader talk. He's saying, I need you to forgive this cat. 
I need you to forgive this kid. And I won't even mention that, hello, I'm the one who brought you to Christ. Right? If, it, if I didn't show up, Philemon, you need to remember, if I didn't show up, you, you, were, gonna be, you were on your way. You were on a different path, son. Right? You owe me your very soul. Verse 20. I, I love that. I love Paul's writing. But do we see how this, this, this master in leadership, he directs this conversation and he, he almost, he, ha, he, he, he knows so much of God's truth and God's word and what is going to be good for God, Philemon. I don't believe he even leaves him an option, but it's amazing, right? Verse 20. Yes, my brother, please do this favor for me in the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I'm confident as I write this letter to you, this is kind of the salutation, right? I'm confident you're going to do what I ask. It's a nice way of saying it. I'm confident the deal is made, right? I'm confident this is it, right? You're going to do what I ask, and I think you're even going to do even more. I think because Paul knew his heart. He knew the heart of his friend. His friend understood the heart of Jesus, and the heart of Jesus is about restoring people. Verse 20 thing, one more thing. 22, one more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me. Because I'm going to come check on you. No. <coughs> Excuse me. For I am hoping that God will answer your prayers. And let me return to you soon. This Onesimus was a runaway Slaved, owned by Philemon, who isn't it amazing how God works things out? He came into the company of Paul, and as a result, a slave on the run, breaking the law, risking the death penalty, he comes into contact with who? The Apostle Paul, and what do you know happens? <laughs> this guy makes a decision to turn his life around, to come to Christ. He, he, he makes a, a decision to, to understand the grace, the invitation that Jesus offering, the, 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 the covering that Jesus offers. Would you write this down? One more thing. Tanner, would you come up and close us and get us ready to close this morning? Would you write this down in your notes? You can run away from people, but inevitably you will run into other people. Catchy, right? Would you write that down? You can run away from people, but inevitably you will run into other people. Onesimus had to figure this out. He ran away from his situation, but inevitably he was going to run into something. Inevitably he was going to pay the price. Inevitably he was going to run into more people. And you know, sometimes we do this all throughout our culture. We do this in our country. We do this in our city. I've grown up in church. We do this in church. And I know many leaders in other churches, and this happens in every church. But you can change jobs. You can change jobs because people at that job drive you nuts, right? You can change churches because people at that church might drive you nuts. But it's interesting. You, you may quickly realize at that new job, after the honeymoon's over, after maybe the, the pay raise sinks in, whatever it is, you quickly realize that there are people just like the other group of people at this new job. There's people at this new, right, this new church just like the other people at the old church, right? And the reality is because of sin, because relationships can be messy, People have a way of messing up our lives, don't they? Some of us are like, what did he just say? 
People have a way of messing up our day. Right? They have a way of messing up our ad. Like it just, that is the last thing I needed, right? And, and, and you know what? We are the same way because we're people. <laughs> we're all people. And what's interesting, wherever you go, you're going to keep running into more people. Right? I hear this all the time, even lately. Like there's something even in my mindset. Like you'll hear people say, man, I just got to move to Montana. I'm going to go recruit people for Jesus in the mountains of Montana. Right? Whatever it is or, or wherever your dream. Go to, go to Texas. Right? Somebody clap for Texas. Right? They're like, yeah, Texas. But get this. Philemon was a prominent person. And this slave stole from him. He stole from him and he hit the road. And back then, the punishment for this was death. In the Roman Empire, the punishment for this was death. And Paul urged Philemon, he said, I don't want you to seek the death penalty, but I want you to give life. He said, I want you to give life to this young man. And not only do I want you to give life, I want you to become like a brother to him. I want you to be reconciled to him like a brother reconciled through Christ. Has anyone ever hurt you, church? <laughs> Has anyone ever offended you? God tells us in his way, in his word, when we talk about forgiveness is always a tough topic because we always can see where other people need to forgive someone. But usually it's hard for us to see. with him. See, Philemon held this man's future in his hands. He had, he had the, the fate of this young man, Onesimus. He had his future in his hands. By law, he could have had him executed, or as a believer, he could have him restored. I'd love to say we know what happens. Uh, it'd be cool if there was a chapter two of Philemon, right? There's not. But it's interesting. I want to talk about something as we close. Onesimus, it has a meaning in that language. You want to know what it is? The name means useful. That's what his name, this, this young runaway slave, his name means useful one. It means useful. 
But let's go back. Let's rewind this, this teaching a little bit today. Can we look at verse 11? And look at this kind of play on words. The genius leader, Paul, as he writes, he says, Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past. I think right there, Philemon's mind was made up because he knew. But now he's very useful, get this, to both of us. He's saying, Philemon, Onesimus, he wasn't worth his namesake before. He wasn't living up to his namesake. But now because of Jesus, he's living up to his calling. He's living out his calling. I bet you in that moment, Philemon, in verse 11, Philemon was probably like, I'm good. I'll do it. Bring him back. That's cool. Paul plays this name meaning. He says, this guy has great potential. There's not, a, there's not another chapter. There's no chapter two to tell us, but... What's interesting, I was, I was doing some research this week, and I was just reading about this story because I, too, needed a refreshment course on the book of Philemon. These 25 verses, these obscure, unknown passage of the Bible, right? We don't know what Philemon did, but there was a church father named Ignatius, and he wrote a letter 50 years later. Get this, church. He wrote a letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, and in this letter, he addressed a wonderful minister. There was a letter he wrote, he addressed a wonderful leader, their bishop, a minister, and guess what the minister's name was? Onesimus. And in this letter, with, through the Greek language, Ignatius referred to Onesimus, and guess what? He used the exact same language found in Philemon, verse 11. In this letter, he says, Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. He used the same Greek words that appeared years before in the book of Philemon. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers, if someone is caught in wrongdoing, can we think about this verse for a moment? If someone is caught in wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted also. This word restoration, this word restore, in this meaning, it's, it's got this term in its original language. It's this fisherman's term. It's this term that they would use for the mending of nets. They would have to repair nets daily but the term restore in this passage, it's, it's this idea, this visual pictures of, of nets being restored. But guess what? Being restored and repaired so they could be used the very next day. Not six months later, not a year later, not two years later after you said enough Hail Marys and read your Bible enough, right? It's restored in this idea that you will go and you will sin no more. You will turn from it and you will be used the next day. See, giving second chances, reminding people that they are value, valuable, doing, doing things differently than culture. Church, this is so important. So as we close this morning, let's finish up. Who do you know? Who in your life needs a second chance? Who in your workplace needs a second chance? Who do you know right now that is at a rock bottom moment that they need a second chance? Maybe God this morning is calling you. He's not calling someone else to get involved. Maybe call, God is calling you not to be a peace 
keeper, but a peacemaker. Because only you have that relationship. Only you have that trust. Only you have that knowledge of that situation. There's nobody else here in this room that knows that person that you know. So I think, man, you have the keys to help them turn their life around. Because you can be friendly, because you can be forgiving, because you can be life-giving, you can speak life, you can, you can speak to their future. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time in your house. Thank you for this time in your word. Lord, help us to be a church and a people and families and marriages that, God, we are about being friendly, we're about being forgiving, and God, we're about being life-giving. God, help us as believers in Jesus to be the kingdom agents of forgiveness, to be kingdom people that we don't just talk about reconciliation, but God, we practice it and we, we, we believe in it and we push it and we live it out for those to see. God, help it to catch on. Help our love, help our encouragement, help our, our forgiveness to be such an attractive quality to those we do life with. Maybe you're here this morning and this all sounds well and good, but maybe you're here this morning and you have not accepted the gift of forgiveness that God is offering to you. Maybe you haven't accepted the grace that God is offering to you. The grace that is found through the acknowledgement of his son Jesus. Maybe some of this just doesn't connect because you're like, Pastor, I don't even know where to start. Well, here's where you start. You start by acknowledging where you're at. Acknowledging where you're at. Sometimes we call it repentance. It's this thing where we say, you know what? I've blown it in this area. I've blown it in this area. I know what I've been a part of. I know what I've been doing is, is apart from you, oh God. And I acknowledge it. I want to turn from it. And the next thing you can do is you can say, you know what? I, I, I want to turn my eyes to Jesus. I want to acknowledge him. I want to accept him. That he is the son of God. That he went to the cross. He died on that cross. He was buried. He was put in that tomb. And three days later, that stone was rolled away. And he came out. And he was seen by many. He was seen by many. And then days later, he ascended to heaven. If that's you this morning, if you just want to say, you know, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Would you just make eye contact? Would you just lift your hand right now? Would you just say, I see you over there. Would you just say, I want to, I want to put my hope in Jesus. Amen. I see you over here. Can we bow our heads? I see one more back there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we acknowledge you today. God, we acknowledge those areas where we've messed up. God, we ask for your forgiveness. For those two hands that went up, can we say, Jesus, come and lead my life. I've, I've been leading myself long enough. I'm tired of it. But God, I accept your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. My life is yours. And would you use me today? In Jesus' name, can we all say amen, church? Amen. Amen. Can we just praise the Lord for just what he is doing and how he is moving? This week as we go, please keep our, our staff in your prayers. We're going to have an amazing time with a, a conference, but I really want to encourage you. 
Next week, I'm really excited to hear the, the vision that our supervisor has for our church, Cornerstone, in the decades to come. And so uh, I'm excited for you to be a part of that. So invite a friend, invite whoever, whoever missed today that you know, but we're going to get together and have a great time next Sunday. God bless you. And uh, man, let's go live out the book of Philemon. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.